Welcome back, everyone, for episode 30 of the Zero Analytics Podcast. It's been a couple months since the last one dropped. Just like last year, I had to take a little break at the end of the summer to deal with my kids and wife who's a school teacher, getting back into the swing of things for school. Especially with our current situation, it's been a little hectic. So I appreciate your patience and hope you had a chance to catch up on the previous episode. Today's guest has been suggested by a few people over the past year when I've reached out for suggestions of potential guests. This episode, we visit Springdale, Arkansas to chat with Andrew Hillian Sr. Still fairly early in his racing career and finding his way in the sport, we chat about his journey, helping newcomers, and touching on weekly maintenance of not only the cart, but also a local tire program. Admittedly, the monkey behind the mic took a while to get warmed up after the layoff, but once we got going, Andrew shares some actionable advice for guys starting out and trying to take their weekly program to the next level. He shares tips for parents entering the sport and also the value of having a positive attitude, whether it be in this sport or any sport when raising children. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my friend, Mr. Andrew Hillian Sr. Yep, I'm here. All right. Uh, so today on the podcast, we have Andrew Hillian Sr. Did I pronounce your last name right or no? Yes, sir. That's correct. All right. Good deal. <laughs> when I was first looking, I thought it said Hillman. I started looking. I was like, oh, wait, that's Hillian. So um, good deal. So uh, for those that aren't uh, familiar with you, um, could you just kind of give us a little bit of background as far as like where you're, you know, what's your current involvement in, in go-karting and where are you from and um and before we even get this started, uh, you're on your your weekend, your your anniversary. So a uh, happy anniversary! Um, I hope that uh, you you, know, you and your wife have a have a good weekend the rest of the weekend, and hopefully this all turns out. And uh, tell her thank you for letting us grab you for a little bit to talk. <laughs> yeah, uh, first I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, it's a it's an anniversary. We've been married for a year. Uh, I've been with her for probably I think four years now. Uh, first off, we're uh, based out of Springdale, Arkansas. It's in northwest Arkansas, basically, and uh, I've been racing carts for uh, probably five, six years now. Uh, it was actually kind of an accident. Uh, we were actually going to a big car race in Oklahoma, and we were about 30 minutes away, and, and it rained out. <laughs> but uh, the guy's dad that we were helping, he raced carts, and he's like, well, since it rained out, why don't you come over here and you know, watch us race and everything, and it was a little video local track in uh, Oak Grove, Missouri. And well, they're closed now, but that's where it kind of got all got started for me. There's Oak Grove, and then they had a sister track in Blue Eye, Missouri. They were sister tracks, and they raced opposite of each other every other week, and uh, that's kind of where it started for me. Um, as far as racing goes, you know, I've been my background with racing. It's we started off uh, in the big car side of things. Actually, I've been I've been around big car racing my whole life. Um, we got buddies that we'd help every week, you know. And uh, so I kind of started off differently than most kids would nowadays. You know, they kind of start in the karting, work their way up. I was kind of the opposite, you know. But so, so when you uh, goes, so. so when you say big cars, um, like what kind of what kind of is i'm assuming dirt oval racing right yeah yeah basically dirt cars you know late models modified i've always been a big modified fan myself uh you know you got people that like sprint car racing and late model racing i've always i've always been modified fans we uh me and dad 
we'd follow uh, the USMTS circuit all around the country. We'd go to Minnesota, you know, Nebraska, and we'd just follow them, you know. We'd go to their big four-day weekend races and just all the time. That's all we did. And then I got into racing, and we don't do a whole lot of big car racing. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't watch them as much as we did, considering I'm racing now. But every now and then we'll sneak one in there and we'll go watch or something. But. I gotcha. So when you, how old were you when you actually started um, racing go karts? Or I was sixteen. I was 16 okay. years old when I started racing. So, so you're a late bloomer, right? <laughs> yeah, I kind of, kind of, you know, I went right into the adult clone classes right off the bat. Uh, I didn't, I didn't go up from junior classes or anything, so I got stuck into the fire right off the bat. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's it's definitely harder, man. And uh, it's funny you say that because uh, right before we started talking, I was talking about. Um, I thought that I'd seen a couple of pictures of you helping some junior drivers and stuff like that, and. And as this whole podcast is going on, like just for me personally, like I look back and didn't realize like how lucky I was when I really started traveling and doing tires um, for Brandon White. Like he was still in junior sports and one and we got to kind of go, you know, travel the nationals and, and do that whole thing, but kind of gradually come up. And um, that's something I kind of took, you know, took advantage of or like, I guess I've not really um, thought about too much until lately, but it is hard when you go out there because a lot of times, even on your local level, the guys out there winning have been racing for, for several years, you know, and it's just a little bit harder. So, um, and well, luckily you are like, you're a, you know, you're not that heavy. So, um, you never had to deal with like the being overweight issue and stuff like that. But what, um, like what kind of classes did you start off running just to clone, um, or open or like what kind of racing do you guys do mostly? Well, I've kind of went back and forth over, the first year I started racing cards, I went back and forth. Um, I originally started racing on clone uh, for mm-hmm. maybe, I want to say, a month. And then we got into the stock appearing slash open classes around here. And I raced stock appearing and open for uh, probably close to a year. And then, you know, we blew up so many motors <laughs> that year. It was crazy. It got expensive really fast, and uh, we actually just kind of went back to the clone side of things just because they're a little bit more reliable, you know. You can go a lot more races on them, so we kind of stick to that. We also ran Predator as well, so that's that's currently what I'm running now is kind of kind of clone, basically. Gotcha. Um, now, do you guys run Burris out there or Maxis or both? You know... Uh, there's a lot of controversy that goes around here with tires. Um, the tracks around here, in my opinion, are always going to be Maxxis. I mean, you're always going to win with Maxxis tires around here. That's all mm-hmm. we run here is Maxxis. Um, but there's guys around here that, you know, they'll they'll go out on Vega or Burris, and, I mean, they'll do good, but they won't do as good as what you'll do on a Maxxis. That's for sure. So. Around gotcha. tracks, you know, in the four state area, you'll want to be on a Maxis for sure. Right. Yeah, it's kind of weird how, um, you know, different people I've talked to throughout the different regions, and it's almost like their region, as far as like their, um, I guess their racing surface, almost kind of dictates what tire you're going to be on for the most part, you know. But, um, so as far as so when you got started running, what kind of, uh, what kind of go kart were you riding, and how, how'd you come across that? And, did you, when you went into it, I guess it was, you know, your dad and, and yourself, did you guys uh, know people in go-karting that kind of 
pointed you in the right direction or were you just kind of winging it and just, you know, trying to piece together everything um, yourself? So let me see. I'll kind of start from the beginning here when it comes to the go-karts. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. Take your time. We, the buddy, our buddy's dad that we went to, uh, I was previously talking about when we got, that race got rained out. Well, his dad, they had about nine go-karts in their shop and <laughs> the go-kart that they let me ride my first night was a 2000 Max Am chassis, I believe. And that's what I rode for probably a year and a half or so. And then uh, I rode that for a while. And uh, it, it, it was pretty fast for an old cart. It was, uh, I'm trying to think, I think Fairfield Motorsports out of Missouri. They built it originally for the Chili Bowl back when the Chili Bowl had go-karts. And mm-hmm. so it's a pretty, it is a pretty old cart, but it, it was, it was pretty good. It, it treated me well for a while. And mm-hmm. then, uh, let's see, after that, I ran, I bought a 2014 Falcon G2. And uh, it never did like open engines or anything. So we kind of just stuck with clone and predator on it. And then after, after those two chassis, we, we kind of switched to PRC and that's, we're strictly PRC now. We uh, bought a brand new PRC in 2017, a recon, and now we're on a scythe. We just bought, I went to Nebraska here about two months ago and picked it up. And PRC's kind of where I'm wanting to stay from, from now on. As long as I'm in carding, I'll have PRC for sure. So, Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, they, um, it seems like definitely probably more than any other chassis that, They've kind of like spread their wings and have, um, you know, the hard parts getting, you know, actually getting parts and stuff, unless you're a dealer. You know, it seems like sometimes you get to these tracks and um, if you're like kind of on an off brand, if you break a spindle or something, it's just hard if you don't have anything there. So when you're what is your involvement with um, is it TRJ carding? Is that? Yeah, it's uh, TRJ carding. They're based. Mm -hmm. uh, They're a cart shop based out of uh, Kannapolis, North Carolina. Back when we were racing kind of solo, and I want to say back in 2000, late 2016 into 17, uh, we were having a lot of problems with our drivetrain, you know, our motors and clutches. We just never really did have anything reliable. And uh, it was after one race weekend, he, he, hit, he hit us up out of the blue, and he was like, hey, man, I, I see, you know, you're struggling, and I'd like to help you out and sponsor you a clutch, and get your motor going and so uh, ever since ever since about 2017 we've had trj with us uh his name's tim habuke um he's the one that runs trj but uh yeah he's helped us out ever since then and anything we ever need you know we just hit him up and uh i kind of if anyone ever needs any parts or anything i'll kind of lead him towards trj but he's been with us for a while now and he's one of my uh probably my biggest supporters in karting he actually invited us to south carolina for a big burris race he sponsored all the entry fees for us and had us come out there and uh, we raced some burris racing and it's it's pretty different out that mm-hmm. way compared to midwest but like i said he's just a real big supporter of us and he was my first real you know big sponsor i've ever had so we try to treat him good he treats us real good so that's good, man. Did um, just kind of out of curiosity, did he ever? Um, how come do you think he helped you out at the very beginning? 
you know, did he ever tell I, you, or did you ever ask? <laughs> just how... I never, I never asked. I just, I just kind of went with it. You know, I yeah. didn't. Yeah, I didn't know. When you come across stuff like that, you it's no questions asked. You just, you know, heck yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So right, I got you. So how old are you right now? I just turned twenty-one in May. So twenty-one. So you're just a baby still. So, yep. um, <clears throat> gotcha. So when you, so I've looked on there, um, like on your Facebook and stuff like that and, and followed along and I've noticed that you've also helped some kids and junior drivers. Um, I've, I've seen them like with some of your stickers on and stuff like that. When, when did you kind of get into kind of helping the kids and stuff like that? Um, is that something that's been recent or is it something that you just kind of helped out? Like whoever's been asking questions since you've started? Well, uh, at the end of 2018, I, uh, me and the uh, Beasley brothers, we kind of separated and did our own thing. So I wasn't with RT, RT and racing anymore. Uh, no hard feelings there. We just, you know, did our separate deal, but right. went our own ways. And uh, I still talk to them all the time. We're still real good friends and everything. But uh, I don't know. After, I'd say, the beginning of 2019, I kind of decided, all right, you know, I kind of liked the whole team deal after racing with them for about two, three years. I kind of wanted to do my own thing and have my own teammates with us. And uh, we kind of developed the uh, AHR 75 Andrew Hilling Racing team. And uh, we have an adult driver with us now. He's been racing with us for four years. And uh, his name's Christo, 33. Uh, he's raced, he races the uh, adult clone classes as well. So uh, I've helped him on tires and cart maintenance, anything he needs. Uh, he just brings the car on over and we help him out. And we also have a junior one driver that started with us last year. He was in rookie last year. He moved up to junior one this year. His name's uh, Oakley Fuller. Uh, we've been helping him out for a year now and helping him develop. And me and his dad, you know, we work, we're, we work together and try to help him get faster faster you know uh he's on a uh we just got him a brand new kinetic exodus this year and trying to help him figure out you know brand new chassis try to get to his liking and stuff so i don't know it's just mainly tire work for them too but as far as the carts go we help them out too so right so when you're at the track are you you're doing tires for for all those guys are you just kind of pointing them in the right direction um this year uh well last year i was i was pretty much doing just tires but this year i've kind of been trying to help them get to learn it on their own that way you know if they go somewhere that Mm -hmm. i don't go they're not just stuck you know all right what do we do since he's not here but uh i've just been kind of trying to help them you know get their own little program growing and that way, when they go to places I don't go, they just they just know immediately what to do. And, you know, just helping them on track reading and you know what to do during the week and at the track and stuff like that. Gotcha. Uh, so, <clears throat> so when you started racing, I guess like you were when you and your dad went racing. I guess were you involved in kind of like maintaining and doing tires and stuff then, or were you were you both doing it together, trying to learn it? How did that kind of dynamic? Because it seems like uh, you definitely taken an interest to, you know, like you're, you're involved in it, like pretty in depth. So I was just kind of curious when that, um, is that kind of just, I guess the curiosity left over from when you were doing the big cars and just like, kind of knew a little bit about it just wanted to explore. Um, 
I know it's a lot wrapped up in one question. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it's, it's just a lot, man. Uh, I want to say when we first got into it, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> it, we just, you know, threw the tires on there and went out there. We didn't know that we didn't even know what tire prep was. Let's just put it that way. We didn't know. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> it, it was crazy, man. It's it's amazing what you can learn in just a handful of years on these things. They're completely different from any type of racing I've seen or watched. And just to go go into it like we did, you know, that first couple of years, we were getting our butts handed to us. And finally, you know, we kind of got involved with the Beasley brothers, like I was saying, and that's when we kind of figured out, okay, there's more to this than just putting tires on it and going out there, you know, and they kind of helped us develop into knowing more about them first off, you know, like the, the tire prepping and changing gears and all that good stuff. And as far as that goes, yeah, we, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we just went and raced, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I raced for a long time. Still don't know what. Uh, still don't know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I have those weekends too. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, what do you what do you do for a living right now? If you don't mind me asking, I am a mechanic slash lube tech. At uh, I work at Fast Lube and Service in Springdale, Arkansas. I've been there for three years. Uh, my previous job was AutoZone, uh, but now I've been a light duty mechanic, as you call it there. I guess you could say. Well, and I saw, well, I saw a picture of you with their hat on. And um, so, and the reason I kind of bring this up is I think that, and you can probably speak to this better than, than most people because you see it in the auto industry. But I think a lot of people, you know, they talk about tires and they talk about motors and they, they talk about a lot of things, but maintenance. And I really feel like one of the biggest things I've seen on a local level lately as I've kind of been, hanging out the track a little bit more is um i you'd be surprised i think the average person starting out would be surprised at how much better they could be just by maintaining and making sure everything that moves does move and everything that doesn't move doesn't move and uh any you know any kind of advice or stories as far as that goes for um you know people starting out and in you know go-karts i know you probably see like the worst end of it sometimes in the auto industry Right, and uh, as far as that goes, um, you know, when we're hardcore into race season, I kind of take care of the tire side of it, and my dad kind of takes care of the cart side of it. You know, we make it work like that. And uh, mm -hmm. most of the time, after Saturday, after we're done racing, the cart's already ready to go Monday. I mean, we're fully into it. Sunday, we're hardcore. Uh, we'll take, we'll strip the carts down completely, uh, to just to the frame, and you know, we'll. We'll polish everything and uh, take the nerve bars off and clean all the the bars out and everything. And we'll uh, take the carburetors off, the motors, and clean. I mean, we'll we're fully into it. We we clean everything. That's our big thing, you know. We're we we try to keep things as clean as possible and as nice as possible, you know, to get the, you know just to get to last as long as we can, you know. Right. It also helps with the selling side of stuff, you know, when you're selling stuff and you take care of good, good care of it, it, it ends up working out on the end, end of things because people like clean go-karts, you know, so. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've really, like, I've sat down and, like, really thought about it. Um, 
I feel like just doing what you said, just taking everything apart, like really cleaning it, putting it back together, making sure it's moving and spinning. I mean, I, I really feel like that's probably worth like one or two races a year, especially on the local level. You know, I mean, how many people just don't even check like to make sure all the weight's on or and we've all done it. I mean, I've ran out of oil twice, I think, when I raced when I was younger. So um, by not putting oil back in it. But it's like all the little things add up to really maintain where, in my opinion, I think even like the, you know, the higher end programs, like you can be off on tire, but everything else is so good. You can, your window's a little bit bigger, I think. And um, I think it's just something overlooked. And I kind of want to bring that up with your background in it. But kind of like adding on to Sunday. So you guys get everything broken down put back together like you're ready as far as the mechanical side of it ready to roll for next weekend what does the rest of your week look like as far as maintaining especially now where you're maintaining maybe some other other guys tires and stuff do you have a routine that you do um, monday through friday or monday through thursday um basically my routine as, as of the last couple of years like i said we'll clean everything sunday which you know tires and trailer and carts we'll get all of the cleaning done and uh, as far as Monday goes, I'll have Monday night, I'll have tires done uh, for all three of us on the team. I'll have tires done and ready to prep on Sunday or on Tuesday. And I'll prep Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, and then let them set, and, you know, so they're cured and everything like that. And then uh, as, far as, as far as cards goes, we'll start putting them back together on Monday and my dad's he's he's a big detailer for car. He used to be a really big detailer, so he'll wax them for three days in a row. <laughs> <laughs> he'll just clean and wax them and make them look pretty and everything like that. So we're we're ready to go on uh, Saturday. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny the way that you the way you and your dad do it is um. So when I was helping Brandon and Alex White, like their dad maintained the go-kart and everything. And then I only did the tires. And it's, I think a lot of people, when they try to do everything instead of try to divide it up like that, uh, you know what I mean? Like it makes it just more to think about. It's hard enough to get, you know, everything done for the week. And um, especially when it comes to tires and stuff with, especially with maxis, if you guys were on there, it's, you know, it's not like you're just prepping for that week. Like you kind of got to keep an eye out for the weather. Like when's the season going to change? Like, what's the dude doing this time of year? You know, things like that. And it's like, it's a lot of thinking and like forward thinking as far as that goes. But, um, so I guess, um, so like, so are you done racing for the outdoor season right now? Am I correct on that? Yeah. Last for the weekend most- we had our, uh, we had our big local race, the Boogeyman at Twister Alley. Uh, Twister Alley's is basically, you know, one of the best tracks locally. Um, the competition there is, you know, it's national level competition there every week uh, to win there. You know, locally you're saying something. But uh, that's basically what we raced all year this year. Uh, they had a lot, like I said, they had their last race last weekend. So our our, our season is done for. Um, now we're kind of getting into the in, in, indoor indoor things side of things. And uh, I think we're going to shoot for the uh, Nebraska Cart Shootout in January. And then late March, I believe they're having a indoor race at Emma Indoor Raceway in Emma, Missouri, that we're going to shoot for as well. So we got a little bit of a break here, and we're going to try to get some tires bought. And I guess we're having trouble with getting Max's tires in for some reason. Um, but as far as that goes, we're going to try to get some tires and get the carts cleaned up and cleaned up and ready and. 
as far as that goes. We're just kind of sitting back and relaxed and taking a break. <laughs> it's been a long year. Right, yeah, especially with everything. How um, So how was your season different this year, like with the pandemic and everything? Did it uh, affect you guys like everywhere else? Or how how did your season differ, I guess, from us? You know, it, it did affect our, our, our outdoor season a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. We probably missed, I think, three, maybe four races. So we started, we start racing around end of April into May around here, uh, as far as Twister Alley goes. Um, I don't think we started till June, so we probably missed three or four races. But other than that, we didn't really have a lot of rainouts, luckily, this year. That's the only thing that played in our favor, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we actually got to race a lot more than what I was thinking we would. Yeah, that's good, man. There's, um, there's probably two or three within a half an hour of where I live. There's probably three, like kind of backyard tracks. There's two pretty legit tracks, um, but everyone's trying not to schedule stuff on top of each other, and it's just it's hard where they had so many months off, and they're still trying to have those at least a minimum amount of races for points and stuff. So um, I feel bad, you know. I'm hoping that throughout the winter, some people um, be able to kind of maintain what they have going on, you know. But um, as far as like as far as racing goes, like what are um what are some of the things you're looking forward to in the next couple of years? Do you have any any grand plans of trying to um race any like bigger series or any big races you'd like to hit? Um, how do you kind of envision like your next few years going, or how would you like to see it going? Um, you know we we don't really plan ahead a whole lot um, unless something's <laughs> coming up here pretty soon. We just right. kind of play it by ear around here. That's the only bad thing about living where we live. Uh, carding's not as big as it is on the East Coast out that way, you know, Georgia and South Carolina and all that. It's mm-hmm. not as big out here as it is. Um, we don't really have a lot of series around here, nor points racing at all. Uh, but here, here recently, uh, I think next year they're going to come out with a uh, AJC series and uh, – it's it's one of the best it looks like it looks to be one of the best series that we've had around here in a long time so hopefully we can make some of those and uh unfortunately our maxis series over here maxis midwest they're kind of toning it down a little bit they're not doing as much as they used to so we we got to run some of that before they kind of died down with the whole maxis still but as far as that goes we just kind of play it by ear so I gotcha. I guess that's probably good sometimes. You know, you don't have to worry about being committed every, you know, every two weeks or every week or something like that. Um, uh, so as far as the Predator motors go, like they're, they've kind of taken over here a lot. I mean, I think half the classes from the juniors all the way up to the adults um, are kind of running like the, the basic, like the stock Predators. How, um, I mean, how you've raced it. So, like, tell me, I mean, how do you like it? Like, what are some of the pros? What are some of the cons? Um, how have the people, like, locally, um, it, like, the numbers grown because of the cost of the Predator or, or not at all? Well, uh, this is going to sound crazy, um, but Predator is one of my favorite classes. Just the fact that I'm a momentum racer. I love momentum. I like I like momentum racing, you know. I like drafting and momentum and everything like that and as far as predator goes it's it's just one of the funnest classes i've ever been in 
I don't know why. I've raced just about anything you could race, and Predator is one of my favorites. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I guess it's just hold it to the floor and go, I guess. But, you know, around around here, we have uh, Predators are pretty popular around here. Just about every local track has two, three, four Predator classes. Um, the track that we race at locally has a light, heavy, and medium uh, Predator class, and uh, we won the championship in 2018, and uh, ever since then, it's even it's grown even more. Uh, I think we're going to plan on racing some next year as well. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's one of my favorite classes. <laughs> Is it just because? Um, I mean, as far as like the racing itself, you know, everyone's just kind of a little bit closer together, and um, like maybe resembles more of like you said, like the bigger tracks and stock cars and stuff, or is that not it? It's just, I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I think more of the fact that, you know, the racing can be better and I think it's more of a challenge, honestly, than clone and open. I think predators more challenging. Just the fact that gearing is so important in those predators and uh, you can be off on tires just a little bit and still make up for it. Mm-hmm. But gearing is a, important with those and uh i think i think it's just more challenging honestly i gotcha it's uh i was talking to someone the other day and um and you know they were like man i can't believe how many predators are around and stuff i'm like well you know in my opinion like from a cost factor i mean if you have you can say a 1500 dollars new motor you can buy one at harbor freight for 100 bucks or whatever it's kind of like there's enough go-karts around everywhere it's just you know, people having the incentive to come back and if they already have a go-kart and they can buy a, a set of takeoffs and a predator motor, I mean, they can go racing for eight or 900 bucks now, you know? Right. And, um, I, I think that's attracted to a lot of people that, especially in the pandemic, um, around here, like with the kids, like, like they couldn't play sports. So it's like, man, for 800 bucks, I can have a little go-kart for my kid and go run, you know? And I think, uh, also with the adults, you know, it's, um, really grown. I think, like you said, it's going to continue to grow as long as they don't, you know, start adding aftermarket parts galore and turn it into something else. So I don't know how that all go. Yeah, and, and that's one that's one bad thing about predators. Well, around here anyway, they they switch up the rules so so much because people want different things, and the next week people want other different things, and it's just they go back and forth between the rules a lot with those, and that's just one downfall to that to that class. Um, if it was me. Because right now, our Predator classes are basically, you can have open tank and uh, open, uh, I think you can have just a regular air filter on it and remove the governor, I think. But as far as eternally, you can't do anything to them. Um, but if it was if it was me, I would straight up just take the Predator out of the box and put it on. I wouldn't do nothing different. I'd leave the tank on, the original air filter, I'd just leave it exactly like it is. Because I feel like that's a true predator to me. But like right. I said, every place is different. So, Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, man, I'm kind of, I don't know how long you've been around stuff like that. But as far as, um, like, really back in the day, for everything that I, I think a lot of people didn't like about, you know, World Karting Association and WK Dirt Series and stuff like that, I think having a central body and like kind of like governing rules and just like one central place that everyone can kind of kind of adhere to makes things a lot easier. Where right now it's kind of 
you know, it's really at the discretion of your kind of like your region or your track or anything like that. And um, that just it makes it harder for people to kind of like intertwine and travel and race a whole lot, you know, especially with the type of motors where, you know, they're running like, I guess, like the little small blocks or the opens and like things like that are stock appearing. I think it just sometimes it makes it a little more difficult than it needs to be. Right. In which there's a lot of tracks also, even national tracks that'll allow NKA or AKRA both. And I think, you know, it does bring in more carts that way, but at the same time, you know, people are going to find, you know, ways to disagree on things when it comes down to, you know, almost winning that because of this or because of that. I think if track stuck to one sanction, I think it would be better that way. But yeah, I mean, what do we know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like when you, so when you're racing and let's just say like, you know, you're running pretty good and then all of a sudden say the season changes or, you run into a few weeks where you're doing the same exact stuff, but it's just not working. We've all been there. What What are some of the things that you first go to and start either removing, replacing, attacking? Like, how do you think about that? Like, when you're just struggling for, you know, you get a little bad streak or so. Where's the first place you go looking? Tires, man. <laughs> <laughs> Always tires. Uh, usually, you know, if, if we have... If we have a really bad weekend, I can usually kind of tell just from racing that night if it was maybe the gearing or, you know, the setup was a little off. Uh, usually I know which way, to, which path to take when it comes to that. It's either the cart or the tires, you know. Uh, right. Most ten, nine times out of ten, you know, you're off on tires. So you go back the next week and try a little something different or do, do something a little bit better than what you did the week before. Right. Do you... A lot of people I talk to, they either love the tire durometer or hate the tire durometer. What on? Do you utilize the tire durometer a lot, or do you just kind of wipe and feel? How do you go about that? Out of curiosity, I, I definitely use the durometer gauge. Uh, that's one of the best best tools in the tire business that you can ever have. Um, I mean, you can go by feel too. That's that's fine. But as far as the tire tire durometer go, you get a better reading of what of what you got and. I think it's it's a really great great tool to have at the track, you know, when you're trying to soften tires up or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, when you were talking about preparing your tires for the week, like you're kind of going through your week, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. I just want to kind of bring it up again. You said that um that you like to make sure all your prepping for the most part is done by Thursday, so that way you have time to let it sit. Uh, I definitely agree with that. I think most people agree with that. I know a lot of newbies kind of wait until maybe like Thursday or Friday and they try to do everything based on the weather the next day. And and from a driver's point of view, I guess from a driver's feel, like what's the difference? Because you've probably been out there where you've wiped the day before and went out there and kind of slid around or tore up the tires or something. But how does that feel different, if at all, um, from a like from your you know from your butt on the seat? You can feel it as opposed to just watching it. Well, um, I'll say whenever before I started the schedule I have now, uh, like you said, um, I was kind of wiping towards the end of the week, you know, Thursday, Friday. And uh, what I found out was, you know, I'd go out and race the feature or whatever on those tires that I was wiping during the week. Well, I'd go out there and I'd be real fast, you know, beginning and about the middle middle of the race. And, man, I'd just fall off. I had nothing towards the end of the race or 
like if there's a lot of cautions, you know, and stuff like that, I'd, I'd just lose lose everything I had in those tires about middle of the race. And I was trying to figure out, man, what am I doing wrong, you know? And finally, I, I was thinking one night, all right, I'm going to start, you know, prepping earlier in the week, prepping more, but earlier in the week and letting them set. That way, you know, it actually gets down in that tire like it's supposed to. And I found out, you know, I actually have, you know, traction the entire race just because all that preps deep down in there and it, it's cured and it's uh, just more prep in the tire basically and it'll last a little bit longer than what it would be you know Thursday or Friday when it's not as deep down in the tire as what it would be two three days prior you know what I mean yeah man absolutely I'm glad you said it like that because that's uh I hope people kind of you know there's a lot of people listening to this gonna be like yeah no shit you know what I mean but it's like I try to tell people, it's like, there's a lot of people that are listening to try to, to hear something like that will change their whole program and, and they don't even know it. You know what I mean? And I I know you've, you've felt it, you've seen it, but it's hard for some people to realize like some of the things, just random things that maybe you might take for granted, or maybe Billy Bob might take for granted. A lot of people just don't know, you know what I mean? So, um, so thanks for, I mean, that was a great explanation of how, I, I mean, that's how it sounds to me, like, as I see it. But, like, you know, I just wanted you to explain it through how it feels. And um, so, I don't know. Anyone listening, definitely write that down. But um, as far as uh, number 75, how did you come about that number? Well, I, I actually started off as 14. Back when I first started racing up until, I don't know, a couple of years, I was 14. I was a big Tony Stewart fan and a big John Tesh fan. Uh, of course, we know Tony Stewart, but uh, John Tesh was a real awesome modified racer based out of uh, Iowa, I say, I, I believe, maybe Wisconsin. But I always loved watching him. we go up to Minnesota, you know, we'd watch him all the time. I was just a big fan. So I carried the 14 for a couple of years, and eventually, you know, I was like, you know, I want my own number, something I can make my own name out of. And at the time, I... I've also been a big uh, Larry Phillips fan, Terry Phillips fan. Larry Phillips, he's a he's real popular around the Missouri area, the Ozark music, Ozark area. Uh, I believe he raced uh, a NASCAR series. I believe, of course, Terry Phillips. He's a uh, modified racer based out of this area. Also, they're just real good, real good dirt car drivers. So I've always liked liked them as well. Gotcha. Um, what are, I know that you've, you know, Twister Alley, you've mentioned that, like, do you have any other tracks that maybe even aren't, you know, not around anymore that are some of your favorite or anything like that? Um, we had a track about an hour and a half south of us and it was located in Alma, Arkansas and, uh, it was American Motor Speedway. Bradley Bush on here. I can tell you all about that place. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we go race down there. It was close to fifth mile, I believe. Maybe a little bit smaller than the fifth mile. But uh, it was black gumbo, as black as you can get it. Man, that thing got down. Uh, mm-hmm. It was one of the fastest racetracks I've been on. And uh, as far as locally, besides Twister, I don't have any favorites. Um, national wise we've traveled some tracks that i wish that were around here like i said uh trj invited us out to that race that race in south carolina we were at a possum kingdom super speedway in belton south carolina 
and that place is massive. I mean, you're sitting in your cart sideways. It's so banked. But that was one. That's one of my most favorite racetracks I've ever been to. <clears throat> yeah, there's some. Uh, you know, anyone listening, if you go, just get on YouTube and just search for Possum Kingdom. There's some pretty good races on there. Um, and actually, I think they're racing there again now. They have uh, like a little series. I think they're running out there. I know some of the the southern guys hit it a few times over the winter and stuff like that. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard for people to realize like how big that place is when you tell them until like you get there and you kind of like see it for the first time. And and it's funny because you can watch videos on YouTube and it still looks smaller on YouTube than it did when you get there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's massive. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's definitely the biggest track I've ever been to. Um, so your favorite memories, I guess, and it doesn't have to be one, but when you, and I know you still have, you're still kind of creating your little journey, man. So um, it's, I mean, you're going to create a lot more, but just on the memories so far, rather be on the way to the track or at the track or wins or championships, uh, what are some of the things that really stick out to you so far um, on, on your little journey that you've been been driving? I think this might sound a little cheesy, but uh, I think my favorite memory so far in my racing career. I mean, every every race car driver will grow up, you know, wanting that racing dream of having their family there watching them and so on and so forth. And I think for me that was one of the we had. I have a two year old son, and uh, I think the biggest or the best memory I've ever had was taking him to the track for the first time and. Having him watch me, my wife watch me, I just think that that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. No, dude, it doesn't sound cheesy at all to me. It's going to sound cheesy to people that don't have kids yet. I will tell you that. <laughs> but trust me, I have a, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a nine-year-old, man. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to explain to people. I mean, um, in the past, like no matter how, how many big races and stuff or big things you've done in your past life, like your kid just, you know, taking his first step, riding his first bike. When he jumps in the go-kart, his first lap, he'll get lapped 16 times, and you're going to, like, love it. You know what I mean? It's going to be – it's great. I mean, you already kind of know. but um, So I can only imagine, you know, I wasn't racing by the time my kids are around. But uh, that's awesome, man. And I'm assuming you're probably going to have him uh, probably racing in a few years. So I guess he's probably got two or three years maybe until he gets a little yard cart or something to ride around in. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're planning on starting around four years old, so he's got a couple more years. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And you said your wife is pretty into, uh, you know, as far as go-karting goes and is real supportive. So that, that'll make things a lot easier, man. Um, you, you know, you can only imagine, you've probably seen it too, that uh, if everyone's not on the same page in the family, sometimes it makes things uh, a little bit difficult, you know. Oh, yeah. She she supports me a lot. and. I wouldn't be able to do a lot of the racing I've done without, you know, her help and her allowing me to go do this stuff. And it's just, it's just been awesome for sure. I'm, I'm blessed. <clears throat> That's good, man. You definitely, it sounds like you are. And, uh, you know, when I had reached out a couple of times in the past, like your name has come up a couple of different times from a couple of different people, just, you know, saying that you're really like, you've progressively gotten better. Like you're super into it. You're a humble kid. And, uh, so it sounds like you have a lot, you know, a lot to be grateful for and probably a, a pretty bright future rather be in whatever it is, you know. So, um, but something I did kind of reached out for and I can cut this out if I need to, but um, someone wanted me to ask you or a couple of people actually wanted to know what's the best way to lose weight at the track. 
<laughs> I knew yeah, you, that one was coming. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a good story. It's it's worth telling. Um, All right, I'm ready, man. Here, uh, a couple. It was about a, I'll say, two three races ago. Um, we had a local guy reach out to me, and he actually let me run his soccer appearing open motor. Um, so I got to run that for a few races. Well, there was one race in particular. Uh, there's another, uh, his name is Matt Morgan. He races a lot of big time national races. He's, he's a real good driver and, uh, he's, he's kind of the man to beat at our track. Well, he ended up racing stock appearing as well. So me and him were in it and, uh, we started side by side in the feature. There was like, I don't know, 10, 12 of us. Well, anyway, um, my cart was, it was just hooked up and I'd got past him and I led. I led the whole race, and uh, we got to tech, or we got to the scales, and the weight, the weight minimum for stock appearing is 350, and uh, I weighed 349, so I was one pound light. And before the race, I had went to the bathroom after eating a track cheeseburger, and man, I had to go. <laughs> and that and that cheeseburger, man, it. If I had, if I would have held it in, not very dark <laughs> on that, I would have been fine. <laughs> uh, I know some of your friends are going to get a kick out of it, just the fact that you uh, discussed it on here. So, um, yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a good story. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we've we've all been there. Um, so, as far as your racing goes in general, like just <clears throat> your racing, I mean, do you? Okay, let me rephrase that. Your goals as far as racing goes. Like, do you do you plan on kind of continuing to be in go-karts and try to build that up and maybe build some of your customers up to help support your team? Do you plan on maybe trying to, you know, maybe get your way to a bigger stock car from your previous connections and, like, your experience in dirt track racing? Like, what, what would you ideally, like, you know, like to see your racing career, so to speak, um, be in a few years? Man, you know... I've I've thought about that a lot, and my wife's like, you know, why don't why don't you try to move up, you know, and modified race and stuff like that. But you know, honestly, I'll always be karting just because you know of the circumstances that we we got into with it, and you know, I love helping people out when they get into something new like this. And I was in their I was in their shoes, you know, so I know how it is. But uh, I want I just want to get to where you know I'm dominant and carding i you know i don't want to quit you know when i'm getting just now getting good at it i want to right. you know but eventually i would like to move up into modifieds basically and just kind of stay there and race as much as i can all right that's cool when you what do you think if you had advice to give to maybe a new dad or what's like a I guess a reoccurring question maybe you have from newbies and stuff. What What's the one thing you would say that people starting out kind of make a mistake, rather be spending too much on or not spending enough time on one thing or another? Um, any advice for anybody kind of listening, at, you know, at any level, really? Well, for, for any dad out there that's, you know, their kids racing either, you know, next week or next year, the number one thing that I would tell them right off the bat is no matter the outcome of the race, make sure they're always 100% having fun. That is the main goal that, you know, I try to teach Ogley is just go out there and have fun. 
I mean, you know, these dads, you know, they want their kid to go out there and win every race, start right off the bat, you know, and sometimes that's not the case, and it gets frustrating, but you always want to make sure that kid doesn't get burnt out of the, you know, the sport, and number one is just have fun, no matter what, you know, and spend time with family as much as possible at the track, and always have good memories rather than the bad memories. Yeah, right on, man. That's, uh, that's probably good advice for for any sport, whether it be motorsports or soccer or baseball. And so, um, you know, obviously you've seen it and so have I. It's um, either people put so much pressure on their kid to do something they're not even into or, you know, they're out there yelling at them. It's like they're just ready to quit anyway. So Yeah, that's, that's one thing about kids, man. At, at that age, they don't know what they want to do yet. So I always just try to make sure all the kids have fun and this is something they want to do for a while. So. Yeah. Right on, man. Well, we're coming to a close here. Um, I don't want to take too much of your weekend, but um, I do appreciate you making the time, man. I think that, uh, you know, I think you were a little timid at first, man. Once we got, you know, once we got talking and stuff, man, I think that uh, everything everyone told me about you, I mean, seemed like a good ambassador for the sport. I'm, I'm glad to see you so into it. I feel like you have, for someone so young, uh, me at 21, I wouldn't even want to hear me on here talking, man. I'd be, I'd be saying all kinds yeah, of crazy shit. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not really used to being in the spotlight of things at all. So <laughs> you're not. It's good, man. It's um, like I said, dude. You're, you're doing the right thing, in my opinion, from what I know. But um, where, if anyone wants to give you a contact, um, reach out to you. I mean, I'm obviously going to tag you on the posts and stuff that I can do. And but if anyone like kind of wants to reach out and maybe if they're like going to um, any of the big races you're going to want to help you out or even like stop by and say hi to you or reach out. Um, how can people get a hold of you and, and reach out? Um, the best option would probably be Facebook. Uh, it seems to be the best option for any kind of, you know, contact stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Facebook, uh, we could talk on there. I can give you my phone number or whatever it may be. Just anything like that. Okay. Yeah. So I'll try to tag you in. You also have the AHR um, racing page on there, correct? Yes. Uh, yep. My wife actually manages that one. So. Yep. Okay. But either, so, either page is fine. Okay. Good deal. Well, like I said, man, we'll definitely make sure make sure that's on there. Um, I guess last but not least is, man, I'd definitely like to give you some, an opportunity to thank whether it be sponsors or family members or, you know, anybody you'd like to kind of even give a shout out to. Uh, feel free to to say whatever you want, man. Yeah, I think I think my main shout out would probably be my dad. <laughs> yeah. Just because uh, he works his butt off uh, more than anyone I know, just, just to make sure you know we're competitive week in and week out, and he's in the money just as much as I am, and he's supporting me through it all. And without him, I couldn't, I wouldn't be in racing at all. I'd still be watching. <laughs> So without him, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And then TRJ Carding, of course, and they've helped us out with the drive si- drive train side of things. And without yeah. them, I wouldn't have wins either. <laughs> and that's where do you? F- I'm sorry, I just want to for TRJ. Is it TRJCarding.com? Is that where people find them? Yeah, they they have a website yeah. on you know internet, Facebook, anything basically. Okay. So. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Your wife? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool, man. Well, that's good, dude. Um, uh, anything else, man, you want to talk about? 
No, I think we hit just about any everything we could. So, like yeah, I said, I appreciate yeah, well, you for having me on here, and I appreciate what you're doing for our sport. And it's cool to have you know podcasts like this. You can go watch and learn and hear people talk about stuff they like doing and everything like that. I I just appreciate everything you're doing, buddy. Yeah, hey, no problem, man. I appreciate um it. You know, it's funny. Like people are like, oh man, I really appreciate you're doing it's. And all I've really done is just like recorded the conversation of everyone that's already in the sport, man. I think, I think it's easy, especially if you watch the news and shit, man. It's like you, it's easy to feel negative and be bad about. Are you always hear about all the, the bad things going on at the track, man? But I just think there's a lot of people like you and I and the past guests that, I just think people need to hear more about that. And if they can learn and be entertained, and you know, people can listen to this on whether at work working you know what i mean it's not a working you know working on the go-karts or whatever so i just um it's like i said man it's the people like you that have built the podcast and, uh, and i'd appreciate it just as much as anyone else so um again man i appreciate it happy anniversary and um enjoy the rest of the weekend hey everybody i appreciate you listening um i had a good time talking to andrew a super nice kid Definitely someone that's starting his journey in the sport and uh, like a lot of the guests, you know, we just need more people with a positive attitude and that are really trying to help grow the sport. So if you see him around, um, I'm definitely going to tag him on Facebook when I put this out. But I reach out, tell him thank you. If you have any follow up questions, I'm sure he'd be happy to answer them. And, um, you know, we're about to hit it's the end of October um, when this is going to drop we're about to hit really like the big money season, so to speak, on a lot of races, uh, especially in the South. So just remember, uh, you know, when you're racing, like, look around at who's supporting the Carters in general. You know, not just taking money and charging entry fees and adding classes and things like that. I mean, really, like the only way you're going to keep people around that support carding is spending your money with them. So whatever series you think that's going to benefit carding the most, like that's where you should be going, you know. So anyway, good luck, have fun. I hope this finds you happy, healthy, and full of tires.